0: This is Sheena Engel with Green Industry Pros and the Grassroots Podcast. Today I am here with Mike Andes. Mike Andes started Augusta Lawn Care Services at the age of 18. Uh, We're going to talk about how he built his successful lawn care business and any advice he has for anyone else either looking to get into the industry. Or people who are already in the industry and looking to maybe succeed or um, profit a little bit better. Um, Mike, a really interesting note that I saw here is that you actually started college at the age of 13, expecting to become a brain surgeon. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I started college early, and how everyone asks, the first thing they ask is, How did that happen? Mm -hmm. And so I skipped a couple grades and then I did grade nine and 10 in one year. And then I did grade 11 and 12 through a program where I could finish my associate's degree while finishing the last two years of high school. So that's kind of how I got started so soon. And uh, I, I did want to become a brain surgeon. So I figured, you know what, if I'm going to be in school for the next 10, 15 years of my life, I might as well get started early. And so I started mowing lawns when I was 11 to basically try to pay my way through college Uh, using the lawn care aspect. And so uh, after I went to Africa and volunteered there and came back to the U.S. medical system and was just not really wanting to do it the rest of my life, didn't want to kind of devote my whole life to that kind of calling of being a surgeon. And so I decided to cancel my medical school application. I started my MBA at night, and that's when I started Augusta Lawn Care at the age of 18.
0: Wow. Wow. And so, did it did it take off immediately? Did you have to put a bit of time in it before it became, you know, the successful business it is today? Can you talk a little bit about the journey of starting the business and then where you are today?
1: Yeah, like I think it really comes, you know, the growth of a business really comes down to how much the owner is willing to keep the money in the business, especially starting in in its infinite stages. as an infant, like uh, when I first started, I was doing it part-time as, a, as I was also being a trainer at a local gym. And so uh, I was doing it part-time on like that first year. I think we did $28,000 in revenue. And then the next year I did about 200,000. The year after that was just sort of half a million and then 900,000 and then 1.25. So like it grew pretty quickly. And I think that the the rate of growth for a young business in this industry really comes down to how much is the owner taking out versus investing back into the business in terms of marketing, implementing systems, hiring people. Obviously we got to buy more equipment and things like that. And so I was able to be lucky by the fact that I, I didn't have a lot of you know expenses. I paid my way through college debt free and was able to live on very little. And really put the money back into the business. And so it started to take off quite a bit. And I'd say in the past, you know, so three years ago, uh, August 4th, 2016, I got in, in an injury accident at, on the job. I'd gone underneath a dump truck and my hoodie got caught in the PTO
0: mm. and it
1: basically strangled me. And I ended up having to go to the hospital and I was, you know, couldn't really work for a few weeks. And so by that time, the business had already begun to grow and had employees and things, but that was kind of a wake up call for me to realize that I need to run the business on systems and procedures and have a really good team in place that was implementing the systems that we had started. And so really from that time is when I got really centered on creating a business that is system centric instead of personality dependent in terms of not needing the owner there all the time. And so that's really what started it all. That's when I started landscape business course podcast and the course and really started to share my story as I begin to systematize the business. And so that's really what has evolved and now has become Augusta Launcher the Franchise where we take those same systems and implement it across the country.
0: And I think that's a really good note. I think a lot of uh, landscapers, a lot of landscape contractors, when they are starting a business, they they do find themselves even sometimes years down the road still working in the field quite a bit, and I think that that's that's really good advice that you need to sort of make sure that you've got the right employees and the right processes in place so that you can maybe step back a bit and handle things from a business management perspective if that's what you want to do you know professionally. Um, and you mentioned, yeah, and you I think started- I think it's okay. pretty it's pretty i sorry. I think
1: it's pretty natural. Like, you know, I have business bootcamp podcasts where I talk to people across a whole bunch of different industries and I don't think it's, it's necessarily just the landscape industry that it, we feel that way as owners a lot of times. Uh, I feel like a lot of times the reason we feel that way is because when you first start the business, you have to do everything, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You have to answer, answer the phone. You have to do the emails. You have to do the sales calls. You have to actually do the work itself. As the business grows, the owner has to start delegating those things and handing those things off. And so I, as I've talked to a lot of landscapers, like, I see that there's several different kind of distinct positions that the owner needs to fill. Obviously, in the first starting out, they are the labor. They're out in the field. Their main objective is to do work and get paid for it. Uh, as the business grows, though, they need to kind of become more of the office person. That's going to be the person answering the phone, doing the sales, Doing all the other business activities, but not working out in the field. As the business continues to grow and you actually hire an office person, then the role of the owner needs to change to really being the estimator, right? Really being the sales, you know, always going out and getting more, you know, driving top line revenue, driving growth, obviously still engaged in hiring and things like that. But like their primary objective is driving more business to the company and then as the company continues to grow and it starts becoming a real, you know, multi-level seven figure company, that's when they become more of a CEO level position. You hire out an estimator and I think that's the natural progression that the owner has to follow if, like you said, their ambitions are aligned with growing the business to that size. But I find a lot of people will stall out at one of those positions, right? Like a lot of times between two fifty thousand and three hundred thousand in annual revenue is when an owner needs to start getting out of the field and start focusing on things that are, and they can't be at every single job. Then I find another position that's five hundred to six hundred thousand where Someone has to get a full-time office staff member and has to start stepping away from things like answering the phone and answering emails. And so those are the kinds of the areas that I find a lot of landscapers will come up to the walls that they come up to. And then in terms of revenue, they'll come up to and then they either retreat and they're kind of like, okay, this is where I'm going to stay. Or they, they kind of push through to that next level. And again, it all has to do with what are your goals? What do you want the business to do for you? And what are, how big do you want it to get? And that's really what will determine, you know, your hiring strategy, the systems that you do put in place and how far up that kind of chain of command you want to go.
0: See, and that's great advice because you're right. Once you start hitting those specific revenue walls, that is when, you know, if you are looking to get bigger and bigger and bigger, that is when if you make the right moves, those are sort of those those moments where the business can grow exponentially, you know, once you start hitting 250,000 a year or a half million a year, if you make the right moves and and invest in the right places, then that is when your business is really poised to, um, undergo really, really big growth, really big changes. Um, and you started, it said the landscape business course podcast, and you also wrote a book called Zero Turn, How to Build a Successful Lawn Care Business, um, which I'm assuming you cover a lot of this in the book. But can you talk a little bit about the book, what led you to, to write it, and what kind of you know other advice that you have for professionals in your industry, people who want to see the kind of success that you have, experience that success?
1: Yeah, so Zero Turn is uh, the name of a book, and uh, we've also created a video series around that same so zero turn the video series is on, on YouTube and Facebook and that's basically where I go to companies and we try to help them turn their business around, implement systems, make it more profitable, increase their revenue. But the book itself started off is is it was really kind of like I didn't want to make it a textbook. I didn't want to talk about you know how to build your business like step one, and step two, step three. So instead of doing that, I kind of told a story. And so the story is about a guy named Larry, and he starts a company called Larry's Lawn Care. And the story, the, the book is really just the narrative of the transformation of his business. You know, Larry starts off as a solo entrepreneur, you know, just mowing out in the field. He slowly starts to grow, and he really does it the wrong way. He, do, you know, does things under the table. He doesn't has no strategy for pricing correctly, has no idea of his numbers, and so some, some of that euphoria of going from his job as a nine to five to, to running his own business kind of starts to wear off as the business begins to grow. He starts running into challenges, realizing that, you know, he's not making as much money as he thought he was going to. And then all of a sudden he gets in an accident and uh, he gets in a car accident and he's really not able to go out and do the work. His business falls apart and it's only by a mentor that comes in and begins to help him restructure his business, turn it around, rename it, rebrand it, and really start to develop systems to run the business instead of Larry having to run the business himself. And so it's really just a story. It's really a, a short narrative. Someone can probably read it in three, four hours. And uh, it's really a story about a, a landscaper that goes from unprofessional, not being able to charge what he's worth, having no idea of his numbers or profitability margins into a company that has systems and procedures in place, has a team that operates those systems and has a predictable profit margin that allows him to grow the business at a sustainable rate. And so that's really what the book is all about and uh, kind of highlights a lot of the points I talk about in the podcast and the course in more of a narrative format.
0: That's really interesting. And I imagine it's, it's really inspirational as well as educational. Maybe, you know, help people yeah. realize what direction they want to go in with their own companies.
1: Yeah. And the I've, idea of the, idea, the book, the idea behind the book and telling the story is I really wanted people to read the book, read the story and, and just be able to identify with so many different aspects. And so we talk about Larry going to his, his, back to his house and talking with his wife and the struggles that they even have within their, their relationship because of the business issues. And so a lot of the the discussions I've had with landscapers after reading the book is not necessarily a tip or like some strategy they took away from the book. It's more of just being able to relate with Larry at so many different junctions because so many landscapers and business owners face the same struggles, the same problems, and the same issues, and their business issues become personal issues. Their business issues become physical you know, health issues. And so being able to relate those things with Larry and then see his progress and how he turns the business around, I think is really useful and helpful for a lot of people.
0: I agree. And there isn't a lot of, of just readable material, books, or, you know, relatable narratives out there within this industry. You see a lot of, of books and entertainment, even movies, about people in marketing or advertising, sort of your um, basic level, more vague job descriptions, but you, you know you don't mm-hmm. really see a lot of narratives uh, specific and relatable to the landscaping industry. So I think that's really interesting. Is and it an so audible many common theme?
1: Yeah, it's it's on audible and the reason for that is because I never read books. I listen to probably two or three a week though on Audible. <laughs> so definitely on Audible. Um but I think I think so many of the issues that we face as landscapers are so common and universal. We just mm-hmm. so many times in the landscaping industry and why You know, podcasts like this or magazines or trade industry shows, things like that. Conferences are so helpful as it brings the landscapers together because so oftentimes in a local market a landscaper feels like they can't talk to their competition. They can't share their problems. They can't talk about their successes because someone's going to rip them off. Like so, there's very little, there's a lot of very low levels of communication within the industry and between business owners and for them to realize that like all everyone else is going through the same problems they are. And it will be these common issues of labor. You know, how do you get your labor force to really get on board? How do you create a culture around your team that is productive and efficient and profitable. Um, and, you know, these are common issues that we all have. And if we actually came together and started to learn from each other and, and learn from each other's mistakes as well as successes, that's really where the industry can move forward. And the whole objective of the course and the book and the podcast and now the franchise is how do we actually change the level of professionalism in this industry? Because like, you know, you know, as you know, like a lawyer or a doctor, they're going to charge hundreds of dollars per hour. And in yeah. fact, the more they charge per hour is like an indicator of how good they are. And yet in this industry, where we are expected to juggle the hats of accounting and marketing and online presence and and branding and, and hiring and firing and all the different operational aspects of our business, and yet we're going to charge $30, $40 per hour. It's just, it's crazy. And, and, and so I really feel that, in order for our industry to get to the level of professionalism that is required, if we're going to do that, we're going to do it in a sustainable way from a profitability standpoint and charge higher prices. And in order to charge higher prices, you're going to have to have uniforms. You're going to have to have trained staff members. You're going to have to have uh, systems and processes in place to be more efficient. And so those are the things that we talk a lot about in the podcast kind of the weeds of how do you do this? But the why is like, we're going to try to change this industry and make it more professional, and there's so many ways that we can improve.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense, and I thought I was really interested when I read that in your press release about um, something you were doing with setting out to change the level of professionalism in the landscaping industry, because I see you know I live in North Carolina, so a lot of people you oh, cool. Where, where landscapers. Do you live in, Where do you live in, you oh. live in North Carolina? Western Asheville, Western North Carolina. Oh, cool. Yeah, we just so, got a you know,
1: franchisee d- joined up in Greenville.
0: So. Oh, I will be watching for you to get closer because I'm looking for a landscaper <laughs> right now. <laughs> but, um,
1: good, good, good.
0: You know, we have a lot of green here and it's green for a long time. I mean, it's, you know, mm-hmm. we have to mow for, for a while throughout the year here. And, um, you know, I've noticed people tend to treat landscapers like like teenagers mowing their lawn, and and I think a lot of people mm-hmm. don't realize just how different it is when you're running an actual landscaping company as opposed to just mm-hmm. being a kid mowing lawns for, for extra money through the summer. And so I think that's yeah. a really interesting point to change the professionalism and the perspective um, in the industry. Mm-hmm. And and we can never
1: fault we can never fault the 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 market. We can never fault the customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like their their decisions or their biases of this industry. We can never fault them for thinking that way. And a lot of landscape just get frustrated by that perception. But at the end of the day, if we're going to change that, you know, the estimate follow-up process, like do we have automations that email and text and our instant communication with the customer? Do we have professional office staff to answer the phone correctly? Um, those are all things that will change that perception and having systems in place to make sure that the quality is up to to certain standards and that we do expect 50% deposit and not just like crossing our fingers and hoping they pay sometime in the next year. And so I think the perception of the customer is never wrong. It's just going to be dictated by the industry and how we uh, set forth our standards. So for example, like people ask, well, how are you going to change the industry and the level of professionalism? It's very similar to something like Amazon did. They basically forced everyone on e-commerce to uh, change their ways and improve their level of customer service because customers started to expect two-day and now one-day shipping. They started to expect free returns. They started to expect low prices and lots of, of options on Amazon. And so they basically forced all e-commerce and retailers into their commonly held beliefs of how a customer should be treated, what the, what the, the industry the whole was going to do in the future. And so that's really the objective of what we're doing at the franchise and with what we're teaching is like, how do we make standards in place where someone in their market can literally either dictate other landscapers to either go out of business or improve their game because the perceived uh, value and the, the customers are forcing people to change because of the way they buy and so that's why we all go to amazon It's because we like the way they treat us as customers we like the fast deliver we like the free shipping and so other people are either going to follow suit or they're going to go out of business and so i think that's the yeah. best way to really change the industry as a whole
0: if you see a group of people show up in uniforms even maybe in a branded vehicle as opposed mm-hmm. to one person in a truck in, you know, t-shirt and jeans, you automatically expect the group in uniforms to do a more beautiful landscaping job. And the person in the truck may be a fantastic landscaper, but it, it's all about perception, it really is. And you're automatically going to be willing to pay more too um if you see that level yes. of, of professionalism.
1: Totally. And it's all about perceived value and so many landscapers balk at like you know, putting their 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 contact information on the trucks, keeping the trucks clean, putting uniforms, training their people. But at the end of the day, it's, it's very simple, and that is, someone that is going to have all of those things in their business can easily command an extra ten or fifteen dollars per man hour. So when we really break it down, you know, maybe someone's charging forty five dollars per man hour on their landscaping job. But I truly believe that if they, you know, improve the uniforms and improve the trucks and the cleanliness, and the training of their people, and actually had team meetings about the professionalism that was conveyed to the customers, if they actually did those things, I truly believe the perceived value that customers would be willing to pay goes from 45 to 60. You know, they have a good website, great online presence great reviews, videos, and pictures of the work they've done. By doing that, it's not like you're just doing that to get more work. You're doing it to increase the perceived value and therefore increase the price. And when you do that, you go from 45 to 60, all of a sudden you have $15 extra that is number one, going into your pocket. Number two, you're able to now increase the wages to your employees, thereby get better people, keep them on longer, keep them retained, not have this massive over, you know, turning, you know, revolving door of people leaving the company. And so it's really a self-fulfilling prophecy of you know, individuals that are complaining about labors, they're complaining about the customers, they're complaining about people being cheap and not wanting to pay them. Those are the same individuals that don't have the uh, high perceived value. They don't have a website. They don't have the trucks that are logo to have the contact information. They don't train their employees. And so they are not going to be able to charge the prices that is necessary to run a good business.
0: That's, that's absolutely true. I mean, I can say that my last landscaper, um, it was a company that I hired through Thumbtack. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the quality really depended on who was here. If the owner was here... Mm-hmm with, with the group, then they did a beautiful job. But if they were busy and they sent certain other members of the group, I mean, it it basically looked like they ran over my grass with a lawnmower. And and you know I'm not one to complain. I really, really am not one to ever complain about services because I've worked in labor so much during my life. But um, you know you, you've got to get that level of consistency and that level of professionalism. And when when someone does a beautiful job and they show up and they they put you at ease by being super professional, then you're happy to pay. You're, you're really happy to pay because you're looking for at least in my from my perspective, I'm looking for a really good job, not a really cheap job. You know, like it's not about the money for me. It's about how my lawn looks because I don't want to have to know it myself. It's a big lawn. Right. And the big
1: question on something like that is like, how then do you get your employees to think like that owner does when they're on your property? Right. And that's when not, not making, you know, there's training, there's professionalism, there's team meetings, it'll help. But even having levels of accountability and systems, that hold up the vision of that owner. Because obviously that owner wants to make sure that the property is done right and there's high quality. But how do you create a system so when the owner is not there, those same levels of, that same standard is met. And so that's when things like, you know, we have what we call a yellow slip system. That's when we have callbacks. That's when the employee has to go back to the property make the fix, talk to the customer, fill out what we call a yellow slip, and then talk about it at our next team meeting. Um, little things like that, making sure that the employee takes the accountability for their mistakes instead of us as owners just going back, you know, apologizing, you know, fixing it, you know, all of that, giving the employee the accountability the same way that an owner would do, as well as things like pay for performance. Like maybe it, you, instead of them getting paid $15 an hour to come mow your lawn, they're getting paid a set amount of money. And if they have to come back to that job, there's no extra money. So if they have to come back to blow off the leaves they forgot or fix the divot that they made, like those things are gonna come, there's no extra money for them if they're getting paid for performance. So These are all systems that can be built to make sure that the business can run on systems instead of just the owner being there all the time.
0: Right. And that brings me to my final point. Augusta is different than any other long or most other lawn care franchises because you charge a set monthly fee instead of a royalty percentage mm-hmm. of gross revenue. Um, can you end by just talking about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so like we've always wanted a franchise of business, especially since the past few years, like I said, we've really worked on the systems and that and things. And as I've traveled the country and talked to other landscapers, I just realized the value that a good franchise could bring. But as I, as I started talking about a lot of franchises and not just, you know, there's the grounds guys and U.S. lawns and a lot of landscaping industry specific, uh, you know, spring green in this industry. But I also started talking to franchisees that were in a whole bunch of other different types of home improvement and and those type of franchises. And hands down, the two issues that they all had was, number one, is the communication between the franchisor and themselves, it just was not very good. The second thing, though, and the most important thing, really, was the fact that they charged a royalty fee. And so traditionally, most franchises charge between 6 and 10% of a fee based upon gross revenue. So if you make $100,000 in a month, they're gonna take between six and $10,000 as a fee to be part of their franchise. And so the, that's all fine and good, especially if you're starting out because you're not making very much money. That royalty is pretty low in terms of dollar amount because you're not making much. But as you begin to grow your business in your franchise system, you kind of learn all the systems that they give you. You don't need as much help. But then at the same token, as you grow your business, now you're actually paying more and more fees to the franchisor. And so I've talked to, uh, you know, franchisors, or sorry, franchisees that are considered some of the top in their system, top rank, top two, three percent, and yet they just cannot afford four and $5,000 every week going to, as a fee to the franchisor when they really don't need them as much as they did when they just were starting out. And so what we wanted to do is really, and what that caused, what that makes happen, Sheena, is like end up happening where the franchise will basically stop growing. Cause they know that the more they grow in, uh, especially in this industry, as we grow in revenue, our overhead increases. We've got to buy more trucks. We've got to get more office space. We've got to hire more people. And so traditionally as your revenues grow, your profit margins slowly go down in terms of margin percentage wise goes down. So the problem is if you're making twenty percent net margin, which is a fantastic margin in this industry, if you're doing a million in revenue, I guess a great margin, twenty percent. But if you're getting ten percent of that taken right off the top, that's nearly half of your profit going out the door to a royalty fee. And so what ends up happening is people stop growing their business because the royalty fee is coming off the gross revenue. So what we wanted to do, because we kept seeing so many franchisees in this industry kind of capping their business at four, five hundred thousand in annual revenue, because if they grow any more, they're gonna keep they're gonna keep having to pay more and more in franchise fees. So what we do is it's a set twelve hundred dollars per month, six hundred dollars for the first year. But uh, $1,200 set monthly fee that includes everything that we, the door offers, um, and it, it'll never go up. It'll never go down. It's the same all the time. What that does is incentivizes the business owner to grow the business to actually make it worth a million, two million in revenue, and thus becomes a sellable asset. Because if I have a franchise and it's doing three, four hundred thousand in revenue, which is traditional in this industry. Like if I'm doing, it's not going to be a sizable enough business that I can go sell it or I can retire on it or I can pass it down to my family. It's still going to be running all based upon me and my, you know, my personality. And so we wanted to give business owners in the landscape industry the opportunity to actually scale the business, make it a sellable asset as well as create scale enough to where they don't have to even be working there with the systems that are in place. And so that's really why we've done it. And it includes, you know a lot of different you know support they get a website they get access to p4psystem.com which is like our pay for performance model that we use uh, for our, the employees and so lots of different things like that and we've got our first 10 coming here in a few weeks in november uh and then we got 10 more in february coming up uh as well so a lot of, a lot of good stuff happening
0: and finally you have plans uh to have over 500 locations in the u.s you have a timeline for that yeah, so
1: we basically within 6 years are planning to have the 500 and uh so in the next you know next by next in the next year we'll have 40 then uh 2021 we'll have 100 and then 200 the year following that. So we're, we're on pace to do the do get to 500 in about 6 years and the reason for that is that's when I really feel we'll have enough scale to make an impact on the industry because now with that many locations we have a lot of buying power. So we can give franchisees really good discounts on a lot of different manufacturers, tools, equipment, trucks, things like that, as well as, you know, even our command center, which is like the call center, um, things like that allowed the franchisees to not have to have office staff, you know, decreasing, you know, decreasing the their overhead as they scale their business. And so, you know, when we get to 500, that's when I really feel like we'll be able to make, we'll have a very strong voice in the industry in terms of, dictating the levels of professionalism and really bringing up the standards. And if people don't match that, independents don't match our level of professionalism, they're going to go out of business or they're going to be hurt. And that's how I really feel we'll be able to change industry.
0: This is awesome. I think this is fantastic information for our listeners and our readers. Anyone who's interested in the business, anyone who is already in the landscaping industry, or anyone who's maybe interested in becoming a franchisee. So it sounds like the future is very bright for Augusta Lawn Care, as is the present. Um, Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Sheena. You have a great day. You too.